You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Friday edition. Some big news coming down this morning, J.J. Watts. And the Houston Texans have mutually agreed that they are parting ways. So we'll hear from J.J. Watt himself on this situation in just a moment and break down some of the places maybe that J.J. Watt could end up playing in the 2021 season. We have some retirements. We had Clemson's Pro Day and Matt Williamson, the beginning of his mad scientist spreadsheet that grows throughout <laughs> the offseason. It has started now in February. We're going to talk about yards per play and yards per play differential and how that translates to wins and losses in the NFL and what it tells us about individual teams and how they should build things heading into 2021. This episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. At BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL is where you can find us on Twitter. That's where our questions will come from on our Tuesday two minute drill next week. So feel free to get those in early and tag us on Twitter. Matt, I would like to start with J.J. Watt himself explaining the situation in Houston, and I would love to hear your thoughts on where you think he could end up now that he will no longer be a Texan. Here is J.J. Watt as posted on his social media, at J.J. Watt on Twitter. I wanted to do this on video as opposed to putting out a statement or doing a press conference or anything like that because I want you guys to hear it directly from me. I want to speak directly to you and the city of Houston um, so you can hear the words straight from my mouth. Um, I have sat down with the McNair family and I have asked them for my release and we have mutually agreed to part ways at this time. Uh, I came here 10 years ago as a kid from Wisconsin who'd never really been to Texas before. And now I can't imagine my life without Texas in it. Um, the way that you guys have treated me, besides draft night, I mean, you guys booed me on draft night, but uh, every day after that, you treated me like family. And I truly feel like you're my family. Um, since that day, I have tried to do everything in my power to work and earn your respect and try and make you proud on and off the field. Um, you guys have given me everything and more, and I can only hope that you feel like I've given you everything I have. All right, that is J.J. Watts. He will no longer be a Houston Texan. I'm trying to think back to the 2011 draft. It was 2011, right? Who? I wonder who Houston Texans fans wanted to take there at, I think it was pick 11 overall, right? Food on draft night was funny to me. Yeah, you know, that was great. If you recall, that was an awesome draft. I mean, a lot oh. of these guys went ahead of him, but that was A.J. Green and Julio Jones, Cam Newton, Tyron Smith, Patrick Peterson, and then like every quarterback besides Newton were busts. They were Ponders and Gabbert. So maybe they wanted a quarterback. I oh. can't even remember. And I think they did okay. Hey, Blaine Gabbert just won a ring. So Yeah, right. Maybe that should have been the pick over J.J. <laughs> Uh, I just saw actually Jason Light, GM, not to derail this conversation, but Jason Light, the GM from the Buccaneers, who he heaped a lot of praise on this week, just said that he thinks that maybe uh, Blaine Gabbard is the guy that would replace Tom Brady eventually. And to that, I say, that is a bad idea. That is a bad, that is not the, you know, maybe things are, are too 
glowing right now. You're in the post Super Bowl glow because I've seen Blaine Gabbert throw <laughs> right, way right. too many sinkers into the turf to know that he's ever going to be a good NFL quarterback. And to be honest with you, I don't even know what purpose he serves as a backup quarterback because you're not winning games with him in the NFL. So anyway, uh, good thing Houston, Texas drafted J.J. Watt and not Blaine Gabbert way back in 2011, though. J.J. Watt, what do you think? They're just going to release him. They're not even going to try to trade him to the place he wants to go and get even a, a day two pick out of the deal, which is the way I thought it would happen. But where do you think J.J. Watt ends up? His brother's playing over there in Pittsburgh where you are. Yeah, and first of all, I think he's the greatest Texan ever. With all respect to Andre Johnson and Hopkins and what Watson has accomplished and will accomplish or might accomplish in Houston, who knows? I think Watt's been the best Texan ever, which is you know, short history, but... Easy Hall of Famer to me if he stops right now. And he means a ton to the community. I mean, during some very difficult times in Houston, Watt stepped up huge. So, I mean, he's a legend down there. Um, it just shows that they realize they are so far from contending that we're going to let our favorite son go. And he had some complaints this year, too. Um, but I do think he has football left in him, for sure, and probably was still their best front seven guy, probably their best defender this past year, but not quite what he used to be. I mean, he used to be Aaron Donald, you know, at level of the best defensive player in the, in the league. I think ideally if I'm him, I want to go, I'm going to, I'll get, I'll name three cities, you know, two, but I want to go, well, there's a lot to talk about here. I want to go somewhere where I'm not playing every snap, you know, like I think he'd be very valuable as a rotational guy, as a 50% snap guy, Keep them fresh for late in the games. Keep them fresh for late in the year. Don't rely on them to do all the heavy lifting time and time again. I mean, not quite a designated pass rusher, but use him smartly and sparingly. I think he fits every system. I mean, I think he can play pretty much any technique on the line, including even like a stand-up edge guy at times or all the way inside as a one technique at times. So uh, he's very scheme versatile. The three cities really more than teams chicago i guess his wife is a professional soccer player and plays for the chicago mm -hmm. whatevers you know so that would make some sense um he's from the green bay wisconsin area i mean grew up a packers fan i would imagine he'd love to go home and you mentioned it i mean his two brothers are here in pittsburgh the Steelers don't make cap space the packers don't have much in the way of cap space the bears have bigger fish to fry, but I'm sure the Roonies would say, Hey, if you want to come here for like a million bucks a year and rotate with Cam Hayward and to it and hang with your brothers for a year, just for that experiment, it's not like you need the money. We'd listen, save your parents some airfare. <laughs> right. Yeah. If, <laughs> you know, somehow, subway commercials. I mean, his brother TJ's do big money. Can they carve out a little bit of that contract and, and both brothers maybe take a little bit less for a very short term for one year and say, OK, let's play together. Let's do this at least one time. I could see that being a big draw for the entire Watt family. By the way, the Chicago Red Stars of the National Women's mm. Soccer League is uh, where Kalia Watt lives. Or, work, or works, that's where she works. I don't know where they live in the offseason. I would imagine, do they live in Houston? Do they live in Houston part-time? Do they live near home in Wisconsin? I would think the Green Bay Packers have to be either one or two on his list. I would think. I mean, that's home. Um, by the way, I, I always made this joke because there was a stretch there that LeVar Arrington was dating um, Serena Williams, 
And I, I made I used to make the joke in my recruiting thing, like the second that she that announces she gets pregnant, let's offer that kid a scholarship. I don't care if it's male or female. And I'm thinking <laughs> about that with the Watts. You know, if JJ's dating a professional soccer player right. that can run and is athletic, I don't care what what baby they have and whenever. I'm going to offer them a scholarship right now. Yeah, whatever sport that child would <laughs> right. like to play, <laughs> right. the scholarship is waiting. I'll take my chances. Oh, okay. J.J. Watt on the move. Do you think Deshaun Watson could roll in there and, and have a conversation with the McNairs and, and get the same? Maybe not tr- Maybe not, uh, Maybe not. not a release outright, but at least talk somebody into trading him rather than going through this whole thing that might take all the way through the summer and into the fall. I, I did read some tweets, and J.J. asked for his release, and boom, they get it done in a minute later, where Watson can't get any love or any attention or whatever. Like, it's two different, totally two different beasts. I mean, this guy is going to demand a massive trade, and the last thing you want to do is trade him. I mean, where to you, you know, you mentioned it at the start of the segment. I'm a little shocked they couldn't get a pick out of Watt. I mean, I'm sure they've been knowing this was coming for a while now. We've been talking about Watt's not going to be back for a month, um, but I think it's just you know the the, the what you call it the um, contract's just too much. So they're going to let, they yeah. let go. It was a big contract that they had to get yeah. out from under. And the thing is, I, I still think they could have gotten a pick for him. So that's Me interesting. Too. I wonder if they're maybe in a, in a very small way, sending a message to Deshaun Watson, say, Hey, at least, you know, look what happens. Good things happen. If you come in, at least talk to us, like, let's have a conversation. Yeah. Let's get the, uh, let's get everything out in the open and out. And, and, but look, here's the other thing is 25 year old JJ Watt wouldn't have gotten released. I will say that. Right. Uh, you're 100% <laughs> No correct. matter what he wanted, no matter what the conversations were. Right. No question about it. So that'd be a lot more similar. So let's talk. Uh, coming up, we'll get into your yards per play and differentials and wins and losses around the NFL. Uh, there are some retirements in Pittsburgh that we want to get into. Maybe we can have part two of our conversation about Russell Wilson. And it seems as though there, there may be a little more to it. I don't know. I'll, I'll run that by you next here on Peacock and Williamson been playing golf with a buddy and I always stick a built bar in my golf bag because it's the perfect thing to power you through the back nine so you don't go into the clubhouse and order you know something terrible for you a chili dog or burger and fries or whatever then your hands or fingers are greasy when you're trying to play golf for the back nine quick and easy have a built bar roll into the 10th hole and get some protein that will power you through and a lot of times even play better not weighed down by some huge meal more room for an extra beverage, too, if, if that's how you play your back nine. But my friend, I have to take two Built Bars because my friend's like, hey, you got one of those Built Bars? Like, scratching his neck. He's like, yeah, yeah, give me one of those Built Bars. I love those Built Bars. And I'm like, dude, you got to go. BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Get your own box of Built Bars 20% off because I'm not going to keep supplying you Built Bars every time we play golf because I want to hoard some for myself. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, even great for a keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next box of Built Bars. End of an era for, we just talked about the Watt family. How about the Pouncey family? Uh, a, a dual retirement together. Yeah, twins, obviously. Uh, Marquise came out the year before Mike, which I thought was kind of interesting because at Florida, Marquise was the center. Mike was a guard, and then Marquise leaves, and Mike goes into center, and then they both play center their whole career, and two very good careers. But um, I think the time was right. I mean, I obviously watched every snap of Marquise here in Pittsburgh, 
And he was one of those guys that would routinely be rested on Wednesdays. If there's ever going to be somebody, you know, like the week 17, when you sit people down, he was second on the list to, to Ben. Like he had a lot of lower body ailments that bothered him the last couple of years and didn't bend as well, didn't play as well, you know, the last year or so. So it was the right time. And I think the same is true for his twin bro- brother too, that, He's battled several, you know, pretty substantial lower body injuries too. I think he had a hip as well and wasn't the player he would have been. And both probably would have been maybe cap casualties and, you know, go out on your own terms. Did the McCourty twins also come out separate years? Yes. That's odd. Rutgers. Yeah. Rutgers. Uh, that, that's, odd. that's odd. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, Anyway, yeah, so big uh, big happenings today. We were just talking about, you know, the last 48 hours were really quiet on the NFL front. Did that mean something big was about to happen? We didn't have any trades today, but there were some, some large announcements on this Friday. Uh, there has been a little bit more smoke out of Seattle as well, and I do want to touch on this really quick because we had a very short conversation, and I still think it's the same answer, our answer yesterday or two days ago when we talked about this with, uh, you know, some, some public airing of dirty laundry there and Russell Wilson saying he's tired of getting hit and wouldn't mind having a little bit more say in some decisions and personnel decisions and maybe X's and O's decisions in Seattle. And we thought, ah, no, no way. There's no way that this could be in a situation where they even would dream of entertaining the idea of trading Russell Wilson. But now there are reports coming out of Seattle that the Seahawks are not happy that Russell Wilson took his frustrations public. I'll ask you again a couple days later here, Matt, could this possibly be a real thing here? Is this a real story or is this just a bunch of, you know, whatever off season BS? I'm not buying it. I will say since we talked about it, I read a little blurb about Seattle that, you know, they're near the bottom of the league in cap space dedicated to the offensive line position. It was pretty much Dwayne Brown and a bunch of cheap dudes. And I thought, okay, maybe they'll go sign a guard and, you know, show Russell Wilson that, I mean, we're going to give this guy $5 million a year. He's a solid player, and, you know, we care about you. Yeah, I, I mean, that's about as much as I could see coming out of it. I can't imagine this this parting ways or gets traded for Watson or, you know, something crazy like this. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just – I'm not buying it. There's, Are you? I, I'm not buying it. I'm still not buying it. Okay. No, not at all. I mean, to be, to be honest with you um, – it's kind of fun because that was like the one organization where it's like, oh, squeaky clean Russell Wilson and, you know, old school Pete Carroll. And they just chug along and keep winning. And it is, you know, no, no problems ever going to come out of there. So it is sort of interesting. And, in you know, from a from a just a per, just a, a dramatic perspective and getting to watch something happen there and be like, OK, well, you know, this is not ideal scenario there in Seattle. Just kind of fun to watch that and see how it plays out. But no, no, I can't imagine anything coming to that. There's so many crazy rumors and potential quarterbacks changing teams. And we've talked about uh, every team wants two first rounders for their quarterback, which is not super surprising for a lot of teams. Uh, I would, uh, I would think that all but about five teams in the league would take two first round picks for their quarterbacks, you know, uh, but I don't think Seattle would. And I just don't think that there's anything to this. And it's kind of, Know, interesting to see an organization where I didn't expect to hear this kind of stuff come out. But Russell Wilson, the more I learn about him and his private life kind of is is getting you know, just because his 
wife is famous too, and I think that's just it's just out in the public a little bit more. He's kind of an odd duck. He's kind of a weird guy. Way. He he is squeaky clean with his image, but almost so much so that I've, I'm like, is he a serial killer? Like, there's something like else going on there because like, there's something just a little bit odd about Russell Wilson. No, but obviously I'm just joking about that. He seems like a, just a pretty straight up dude, but 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 borderline corny and an oddball in a certain way too. Kind of Urkelish too. Yes, I mean, he's, yeah. he's a little bit of a nerd, you know. I mean, which works well because he dedicated, in a way, like Brady with his superstar wife, and yes. you know, super dedicated to his craft, and will do every little thing possible to be great. And late round pick and um, different styles of play, obviously. But you could also see like when you know, and you look at Seattle history there always is that time where the young quarterback becomes the man where it's not the Legion of Booms team anymore. It's not Marshawn Lynch's team anymore. It's time for the youngster in his third or fourth year to be the most important guy in the building. And I bet that group of defenders, you know, weren't his biggest fans. I mean, they loved the way he played, but I mean, you saw some of that. Earl Thomas might have to go. You know yeah, what I mean? That's true. You know, um, big personalities. There's yeah. money and fame and, and ego, and there's so many things that can happen in, in an NFL locker room with, with what's going on. And I can't even imagine what it's like for these guys to be in the public spotlight and how that changes you as, as a human being and, and the pressure that's involved in playing quarterback or coaching an NFL team or being GM of an NFL team and uh, the, you know all the pressures and all the things that come with that. You mentioned him being a little bit of a, a geek, sort of, a little bit of a nerd, and I think that's important. I think that's actually needed in some way to be a really great, I think, I think athlete in some cases, but especially NFL quarterback, there is almost yeah. a, a dorkiness that needs to come with it. it. The Manning brothers, Peyton Manning is a goober, right? You have to All be right. so nerdy rivers rivers is like that yeah, too. and geek out about your position because you have to be so all about it and you have it takes so much of your life and so much of your brain power you almost it's it's very difficult probably not impossible but it's really hard to be like super cool guy and be extremely successful as an nfl quarterback yeah and it, it, it's funny i hadn't thought about this much but times have changed dramatically you know joe namath joe montana you know i mean all these Cool ass quarterbacks. I mean, even Marino and Elway, you know, they look like they were, you know, in a Western or, you know, far. You know, <laughs> you don't think of them as being dorks at all. Like, I want to have a beer with those dudes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And you can't vibe your way and just be more talented. That That's not enough as an NFL quarterback anymore. There's just too no. much on your plate. There's, there's too much going on in a playbook for you to vibe your way through to a bunch of wins in the NFL. Yeah, it's now it's a it's a lifestyle, you know, yep. like th this has to be the most important thing in your life, maybe outside your family. I mean, From that, like really eighth grade on guy. too, not just when you're a pro, like this starts in junior high. Right. I mean, it's Tom Brady wearing his shoulder pads on the beach. Uh, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, family vacation stuff, you know. <laughs> right. Absolutely. OK, <laughs> um, enough of this. Let's get into your yards per play, yards per play allowed, yards per play differential. Um, I don't know if you want to. I'll just hijack you know, it. If you don't yeah, care. yeah, yeah. Let, let everybody know what's going on here with your beast of a, a spreadsheet that is just in its off-season beginnings right now, as we are on February twelfth. Yeah, I mean, anyone that's listened to me when I started this podcast back when it was locked on NFL many years ago now, and or since then, since you've come on and been an awesome addition, of course. Once in a while, I'll just do a whole show on one thing, you know, my turnover differential stuff, and. 
one of my favorites when I start to look at teams through the offseason is yards for play. Like I'm you'll hear me throughout the week out the year. Boy, they only averaged 3.9 yards per play in week 12 against the Bears. No wonder they couldn't do anything. So, you know, when you get a whole season of many, many snaps from all these teams, you know, it's not just 16 games. It's a lot of snaps. It's a big body of work to go off of that I think yards per play is very indicative of how good a team is with their differential um, and an offense and a defense. So I'm sure a lot of the listeners don't realize who's at the top, who's at the bottom. So I just wanted to highlight some teams, if that's cool by you. Absolutely. Uh, you do okay. you for the, for the okay, rest of the show. Go. Yeah. Starting with offense, six yards per play is a really, really good number. I mean, you think about that. If you snap the ball, you know, and you can get six yards, boom, boom, boom. Six yards per play is really, really good, where under five is really, really bad. I mean, it sounds like a small variance, but over the course of the year, that's a lot of yards. So here are the teams that came in at six yards or better on offense. Tampa and Buffalo were right at six. The Titans were at 6.1. This is going to surprise people. The Vikings were at 6.2. A lot of long balls at Jefferson, Thielen, Cook. Like, we'll, we'll get to the Vikes, but it really makes you think maybe we don't need to fix this offense this off season, or maybe we should stick with what we're doing. I mean, you average 6.2 yards per play pretty darn good for the Vikes. Green Bay, as you would expect, 6.3. And the best in the league, as everyone would guess, is Kansas City. How about this? You know who's tied with Kansas City for best in the league? Uh, I don't want to cheat because I'm looking at it right now, and I I had to scroll down a ways, and I was blown away to see this team pop up, but not super surprising now that I think about it. Right, and it's Deshaun Watson's Houston Texans, you know, that are a train wreck that won four games that allowed 80 more points than they scored. They're number one with the Chiefs in yards created per play, and it goes back to the value of Watson, and that's without Hopkins. That's with... David Johnson is your running back. I mean, that was a great, great offense last year, and you don't want to mess with it. I mean, needless to say, I mean, Watson passes the eyeball test, but I don't think people realize how good they were on that side of the ball. And that's why he was the only top five graded quarterback, according to PFF, that wasn't in the, there was, you know, for the top five in the AFC and NFC championship games. And Deshaun Watt was the other one in the top five. And then you look at the defensive side of the ball and you start to see, why they didn't win a whole bunch of football games, but it's pretty amazing what Deshaun Watson did with a bad football team, and it wasn't just garbage time stats. This is uh, this was a quarterback that led a good offense and that could lead a good offense in the NFL, which is why it's so enticing to see him on a good football team with a good coaching staff and a good defense, because look out. And yeah, I thought he had an average supporting cast last year. Yeah, maybe overstated how bad the offensive skill talent was after trading away DeAndre Hopkins, but it was still not a good unit top to bottom on offense surrounding Deshaun Watson. Let's get into the worst offenses in the league, yards per play allowed, and how that translated into points and wins next. The football season is over. There was endless amounts of fun and angles and ways to bet at bet online but that continues into the offseason there's nfl futures you can bet on next year's super bowl champion ncaa football champions nfl draft and of course the nhl and nba seasons are in full swing major league baseball coming back this spring it's nearly tourney time march madness just weeks away bet online even covers 
awards and uh, TV shows, reality TV, whatever. You can find a line for it at Bet Online. Real time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. Go to betonline.ag right now. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, Matt, who are the worst offenses in the league yards per play wise in 2020? Here's the worst in the league. And again, there's there's not a lot of shocks with this one. And these teams usually don't win many games. The Eagles and Giants were right at five yards per play. Pretty bad. Um, The Bengals were at 4.9. Washington, a playoff team, also at 4.9. And the Jets were pretty much a distant last at 4.7. But Washington got in the playoffs. I mean, obviously, that's an odd situation. And I want to bring up these other two teams, too, because right above the the ones that barely average 5.0 yards per play are the Bears at 5.1, who also got in the playoffs, and the Steelers at 5.2, which they won 12 games, but they were, what, 27th in the league in yards per play. That's an interesting one. The yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. I'm looking at, so I'm obviously looking at this spreadsheet and the listeners are not, and I'm already, you know, drawing conclusions and looking at yards per play allowed and what that differential was and how that translates to wins and losses here. So um, what, what, when you put something like this together, what are your big takeaways when you start to look at these teams? A lot of it is just, you know, at this point in the haze in the barn. So where should they concentrate their off season? You know, like Minnesota and Houston, if the 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 Deshaun Watson thing aside, obviously this side of the ball did good things. I mean, the Steelers won, won 12 games, but their offense was among the worst in the league. It's time to dedicate your time to the offense. And I don't know if we have time to do the defense like this. We could do it Monday if you want, or the differential. But I find it very interesting. I mean, the ones in the middle I don't care about so much, but the top – 20%, the bottom 20%, and something you can learn a lot, in my opinion. We do have time. I want to hear uh, the, the defensive okay. side of the ball and the numbers there as well. One team I'm looking at right now that I want to talk about that is kind of the middle of the road that I don't know if we'll mention a lot, but it blows me away, is the Seattle Seahawks, who have the best record in the league with the lowest point differential so uh for a 12 win mm-hmm. team only 88 point differential that's half as uh, much of a point differential as the baltimore ravens had this year who led the league in point differential yeah yeah that's another thing i definitely want to get to at some point too is is the point differentials as well as the yards for play differential um you know another one that stands out for point differential the browns won 11 games but they allowed more points than they scored you know, they were minus 11, even mm-hmm. though they were 11 and five in yeah. point differential. Which so is similarly, crazy. that's a great point. So the Browns and Seahawks are teams that were either very close in yards per play allowed or like you mentioned, the Browns on the negative side, but still won a lot of football games. So uh, you mm-hmm. point to coaching, you point to uh, I don't know what you point to. There, there's got to be some luck involved there, but the Seattle Seahawks do it every year like that. The Seattle's a team that bucks the trend. I mean, and I think that's because of Wilson. Um, you want to talk defense? Do you want to- yeah, defense. Let's get those defense numbers. Okay. Here's the best teams on yards per play for defense. That Obviously, if you allow five or less, that's really good. There were two teams at 5.1, Baltimore and Tampa. So Tampa was in both conversations and they're the Super Bowl champs. 
And these four teams all averaged five yards per play, which is exceptional. New Orleans, your Niners, which might surprise people. I mean, you think a lot of people think, boy, their defense took a big step back this year. Uh, my Steelers and Washington, who both those teams were playoff teams, but bad on offense. And then by a wide margin, the best defense in the league was the LA Rams at 4.7. I mean, next best was five flat, and they were at 4.7 yards per play, easily number one. When you bring up the 49ers, that's well, one of the reasons why Robert Sala is a head coach now is because of that number you just talked about on defense and, and making up for some of the big losses they had and losing Sherman for a lot of the season, but especially the pass rush on the outside with Bosa and D Ford playing almost no role all year long and losing DeForest Buckner in the offseason, replacing him with the rookie. So that was a masterful job of coaching on the defensive side of the ball by Robert Sala. And on offense, losing Jimmy Garoppolo, it was big because Kyle Shanahan can scheme things up and there was yardage happening on offense. But if you watch the games and if you look at PFF grades, and that's why I like PFF grades because you sort of cross-reference some of these things. But when you watch the 49ers games, they got awful quarterback play, even though the yardage numbers were there. So they were plus 0.7 in yards per play differential, but minus 14 on the season in point differential. Yeah, and... Let, let me just run through the worst defenses yes. because I think your Niners are really topical for the next conversation. Here's the worst ones. These are the ones that were six yards play allowed per play allowed or worse. Vegas was at six. Minnesota, Cincinnati, both at six one. So Minnesota's on both opposite scales, and they get the Neil Hunter back, and you know, so maybe there's some promise there. Houston also on both sides. They're six two. Atlanta six two. So Houston and Minnesota were. Polar opposites in terms of one side being really good, one side being really bad. And then the worst two teams in the league will probably surprise no one, Detroit and Jacksonville at 6.3 yards for play. Not a lot of shockers there, in my opinion. It's interesting that both offensive and defensive yards per play, yards per play and yards per play allowed, the there are some outliers on the good side, but the bad teams was obvious. And, and there's no yeah. surprises with the bad teams. Yeah, and they just get gouged play after play. I mean, Detroit comes to mind. Some really bad games where they didn't have coaches and they're just getting gouged, you know, time and time again. Um, you know, wrap this up with yards for play differential. Who's the best? Who's the worst? Really quick before we get to differential, yeah. did you find looking at this that yards per play on offense or yards per play allowed on defense was a bigger factor in wins? I would say yards per play. I think I'd rather have a good offense. Yeah, and I'm okay. stealing this from football outsiders. You know how they do their DVOA? Yes. And they say NFL teams nowadays, think of an eight-cut pizza. Four of the cuts are offense, three of the cuts are defense, and one is special teams. And I kind of agree with that. I like it. Okay, I like that. That's a that's a great way to uh, to picture that. And for someone who will eat at least five slices of pizza. I'm trying to figure out which five slices I would eat myself because uh, I'm trying <laughs> not to... Uh, it's not the days any longer like in college where I would just devour an entire pizza. I've got, I had to cut back to now five slices instead of eight per sitting. Uh, I know we don't have a ton of time, but you know how as a freshman, you, you just get kind of roomed with whoever? Yeah. I got roomed with two scholarship freshman incoming wrestlers. And we'd order like two of the biggest pizzas in the world. <laughs> and I'm a big eater. And those two... It was like like termites just going through wood. Just rawr, rawr. You know, they'd wrestle all day and eat like a pole pizza. It was like, wow. Wait, and, anyway. and which college was this? Pitt at Johnstown. Pitt at Johnstown. Okay. They actually had a pretty good wrestling program. Not much of a sports town, but a good wrestling program.
academics yards per play differential academics no. were strong i assume not not so great okay <laughs> <laughs> i guess it's gotten better but not so great the, the fraternity life was fun yeah um <laughs> all right yards per play differential here's the best these teams are 0.7 yards better than they allow which over the course of the year is a ton i mean it's 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 really substantial baltimore the saints and your Niners, which screams to me the Niners being a bounce back team. You know, the so those three are all at 0.7 better than they allow. At 0.8, we have Kansas City, the Rams, and the Packers. And the Tampa Bay Bucks stood alone. This is regular season at 0.9. I mean, 0.9 yards you you produce than you allow. Maybe we shouldn't have been shocked that they buzzed through the playoffs because they were they might have the best roster in the league, too. So, really, to me, your Niners are the team that doesn't really belong in that conversation. I mean, all those teams have ten or win, ten or more wins. San Francisco at six, you know, and most of these teams are eleven, thirteen, twelve. You know, so they're the powerhouses of the league. I would be very optimistic as a Niners fan. Absolutely, and I'm looking at the only other team that was on the plus side. Oh, there's a couple teams that were on the plus side that had below 500 records and Houston again as we mentioned they were still on the plus Barely. side even though yeah. their defense was really bad uh, because of that 6.4 yards per play on the offensive side of the ball only had four wins and the Minnesota Vikings with seven wins and those were the two outlier teams on offense right the Vikings offense and yep. uh, the the Houston offense absolutely and even to take it a step further I mean there's only three teams that are positive in this dif- in differential that had negative point differential and the Niners are clearly the ones that stand out. All the other ones are hovering right around 500 here. Like they're hovering right around zero. The Niners are, you know, seven or 0.7 yards per play more. I mean, that's a huge number. I'm I'm looking at that. I'm thinking of the pie, the pizza pie, and I'm thinking how many slices are turnovers too. Oh yeah, you know and, I mean? and coaching like, and things yeah. like that. But I think they're talking about just yeah, okay, PVOA right. stuff. I, I guess turnovers is a topping on that pizza slice, right? That's the sausage or pepper yeah, okay. or the cheese or you know, right, right. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, good stuff there. Uh, there's a lot you can take away from the yards per play, yards per play differential, but and it probably things. Let's do the worst su- one super quick. Yes. I know we're up against it. I'm yeah, just yeah, gonna go buzz ahead. for the you don't mind. Um, these teams were worse than half a yard. In the negative, minus 0.6, we got Detroit, Miami. See, to me, that one stands out. Like, I'd be Miami. a little afraid if I was a Miami fan. Miami's a I'm huge allowing, yeah. outlier here. So they were yes. bottom six in the league in yards per play differential, yet they were plus 66 in on points. point differential. So, a I mean, is that just a massive... scores and yeah. turnovers and special teams? Is that going to regress a little bit? Uh, in you know, young quarterback, not enough uh, talent on offense. Yep. Was that great coaching that's going to sustain? Is this going to be more like a Seattle Seahawks type of regime under Brian Flores? Uh, and so, is this something that can kind of s- remain like that? They definitely can't be negative point six on the year and win ten wins, ten ten games again, though. Right. I bet we never know because I think the roster will be dramatically better too. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, also at negative six point six is Dallas. Not surprising, bad defense and no quarterback. Uh, Atlanta is a minus 0.7. That that shocked me a little bit because they only allowed 18 more points than they scored. 
And then here's the real terrible ones. I mean, like I mentioned, those guys are minus 0.6, minus 0.7 is being bad. The Jets were a full yard worse than they produced. Jacksonville was one point negative 1.1, and Cincinnati was minus 1.2. And for those bad. listeners that might not realize, one yard in yards per play is is a, massive. That's a huge a, jump. Yeah, you run a thousand plays a game on both sides of the, or a thousand plays a a year on both sides of the ball. Right. Or more. The New York Jets, it's amazing. They were negative 214 points at the end of the season. <laughs> right. Far negative. and away the worst. Wow. They were outscored by 214 points in their 16 games and still somehow won two games. Yeah. I mean, Jacksonville was 30 points better than them in point <laughs> differential for second worst. Terrible. Wow. All right. Good stuff there. Uh, I love this kind of thing. And Matt Williamson is going to have more statistics added to this i mean i wish you know what i should screenshot it and put it out there the the final version of your spreadsheet that we talked about last year as we headed into the regular season because um it, it gets there's a, there's a lot of columns let's put it that way and your your spreadsheet game has actually gotten a lot better i think you maybe maybe had a little help at some point as well but uh yeah it, it was a pretty oh, lots of help <laughs> i can't do anything i mean my wife is a spreadsheet master and does it for work. I mean, she's a finance person for okay. PNC bank here and has taught me no less than probably 40 times how to add column a to column B. I mean, every time I do something like that, I'm like, hun, can you add column a to column B? So I don't have to do the point differential on my toes and fingers, you know? Oh, and that's like, funny because that's, this. Yeah. And it's like one of the easiest things you're just like, easiest thing. Yeah, as soon as she does it, I'm like, Oh, B3. I remember. Yeah. But, yeah. Nope. It, wrong. I, I am thankful that a lot of these spreadsheets are smart and they figure out what you're trying to do on your own. So you can copy and paste stuff and it knows that you're trying to do this column plus this column and not the first two columns that you copied. So I love that about spreadsheets too. So they, it does, it, they are somewhat user friendly now, more so than they used to be. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I, there's a lot of times I just punch the numbers in, which yeah. probably is not the quickest way to do it. But it's only 32 teams. I'm like, ah, it's only 20 minutes to be done. Uh, all right. Fantastic stuff. That is it for this week. I'm sure we'll have some big news. Maybe we'll have that imminent Carson Wentz trade that's been imminent for about a week now. Maybe that will happen at some point this weekend. And whatever else is going on in the league, we will have it covered daily right here. Peacock and Williamson.